for me. I'm Leslie Johnson. I'm the coordinator for the manure team here in the state of Nebraska. I want to know what factors you consider when you're hauling, stockpiling, and applying manure. Note that there's no wrong answer, and you can write as many answers as you want. As you want. Go ahead. I Setbacks, good. Rules, wonderful. Wells. Water, all right. Anything else? People. Odors. I think that says water again. Wonderful. You can see that there's lots of factors to consider when you're hauling, stockpiling, and applying manure. I'm going to tell you, you should go ahead and make a plan to stockpile or haul your manure, but then be ready to change that plan. Things can change, weather can change, and that can and should change your plans. Uh, learning more information, like maybe the neighbors having a barbecue, uh, maybe that should change your plans too. But whatever it is, just be prepared to change, even though you have a plan in place already. So what should you include in that plan? Uh, of course, there's logistics to consider, which roads do you take, what bridges have weight limits, and therefore have to be avoided. And of course, there's always timelines that need to be met. Manure has to be hauled. Maybe the power's gone out and you're dealing with generators. We know that these things happen and th things change in a moment's notice. But manure has to be ha in hauled in between other important things like caring for your animals or getting a new load of pigs in, or like I said, maybe getting those generators ready if the power's going to go out. So we'll talk most of the uh, about most about manure regulations uh, in a different presentation and. Uh, but remember to plan around setbacks to prevent contamination of water by the manure. Um, you probably know this already, but permitted animal feeding operations are required to stay 100 foot from surface water, uh, from surface water wells and open tile lines. As an alternative, though, you can use a 35 foot vegetative buffer to substitute for that 100 foot setback. And small and medium operations do have a 30 foot setback that need to be maintained. We know that these setbacks are kind of arbitrary, uh, but they are the rules that we do have to live by. That is what is in the regulations. So um, as the best advice I have, and as Amy said before, it, so slow that water down and make sure those manure nutrients and the other contaminants are not leaving the site. That might mean setbacks, or it might mean leaving just a wider buffer strip. If you have a situation where you don't feel like the full 100 foot is necessary, ask DEE. They may have um, another plan that you might be able to follow. And you know your fields better than anywhere uh, anyone else. So you know how the water is going to flow from the hills into the valleys, and you know how to avoid manure moving off site for that reason. You know that you probably shouldn't be stockpiling in the valleys where the water collects and then runs out of the field in a rainstorm because that's when you're gonna move nutrients off there. 
or maybe the snow is melting in the spring. Again, if the manure is moving off site, if the water is moving off site, the manure is going to move off site. We're going to go ahead and we're going to put a mark on this field where you think the setbacks are. Uh, the main field is in blue, surrounded by blue, and the neighborhood is in this other map here. Write on the screen where you think those setbacks are. So I'll tell you that uh, intermittent stream that you're seeing here that marked by the red, that is, um, unless there's water flowing through that, it's sort of a trick question. If that's dry, there's not really a setback there. If it is wet and uh, the spring has opened up and there's water running through there, or it's gonna rain and there's going to be water running through there, then yes, you have to follow a setback there. Otherwise, the only time that there is a permanent setback is around the neighbor's irrigation well here on this part of the screen. Um, we need to keep 100 foot back from that one. All right, so we tackled setbacks, but what about the weather? What weather do you look at when you're making your plan? Do you look at the weather that has been or what is now? Or maybe you look at the forecast of what's coming up. The correct answer is that you should be looking at all of those things. If it's been wet and the soil is saturated, you probably should wait if at all possible because any added liquid, be it manure or precipitation, is more likely to run off because the soil can't hold it. If the temperatures have been cold and the ground is frozen, the same situation with runoff risk is heightened. Ideally, we apply when the weather is dry, as Amy has stated, uh, and it's going to stay dry for a while, but we know that's not always possible. Do your best and document why you did what you did to uh, cover your tail, so to speak, uh, should something come up. What about wind, though? Have you ever thought about wind as a potential issue with uh, stockpiling or applying? I'm going to go ahead and talk about that more in a later slide, but go ahead and start thinking about that. What, what about wind do we need to factor in when we're thinking about manure hauling? And, and stockpiling. Where do most of our complaints come from? Neighbors, yeah. Of course it's the neighbors, but what neighbors? Uh, it depends on what you're doing, of course. If you're loading manure or you're making a stockpile right on the facility, uh, then it's probably the neighbors that are closest to that facility. However, if you're stockpiling manure on a field down the road, it's probably the folks that are within a mile of the field that you're stockpiling at. Or maybe it's those that are along the route uh, that you're taking to the field. And we all know that some neighbors, like Becky said, are gonna be more sensitive than others. People that don't have a lot of ag experience or livestock experience are often more likely to be more sensitive. So that neighbor that just moved into an acreage out from the city, may be more likely to complain than the one that used to have their own livestock. So in our next activity, you'll see I noted where that permanent setback is. We're gonna figure out where we're going to stockpile the manure on this map. 
uh, I'm not going to be able to spread it right away. So I want you to show me on that same map where we drew setbacks on where you would place that stockpile. Remember that only setback is the one up here that is noted. And there is a, a road that runs along the south side of the field and an entrance on both the left-hand corner and about where that number five is on the right-hand corner. Right inside, right inside the gate hole. Not surprising there, not a bad place. Well, there's not a correct answer to this question, but there are obviously a couple of wrong answers. You can see that my field is kind of hilly. It does have some terraces to the south to keep the runoff contained, but there's also water running through that one valley part of the time. So it probably wouldn't be a good idea to place the stockpile in that, that valley where the intermittent stream is. And it probably isn't a good idea in any valley where that water might concentrate when it's raining. I would note that uh, this, where this valley is, there is a good uh, grass waterway here in this southern valley. Uh, but with the neighbors to the west, we're going to need to watch the forecast, make sure that the wind isn't going to be blowing out of the east when we're piling, and probably for a few days after, so that stockpile has time to crust over. Otherwise, as long as we're not too close to water or the wells, most any place on this farm is an okay place for a stockpile. So the next activity is to pretend you're hauling from the turkey operation over here to my farm, to my farm that's over here. Please ignore this corn down here, the Southern one. I don't exactly know why it's there, uh, but you're gonna go from the turkey operation over to my field that we just looked at. And I want you to draw your route on the map. What did you use in making that decision? What kinds of things are you thinking about? Bridges, good. All right, well, there's just a few things here that I would have you consider. Um, things like urban neighbors, like we talked about a little bit, turns, good. Maybe you don't want to go the same route and meet your own trucks. So I saw that one person went one way to get there and a different person, different way back. Sometimes that's good to do. Road conditions and highway travel, also very good things. Here's a few other things that you might consider. And everybody's a little bit different, but just came to keep those things in the back of your mind as you're planning those things. So I mentioned earlier that we should be watching the weather forecast before stockpiling or applying manure. Rick Kelsch wrote a really great article that explains this in a lot more depth, and he's gonna talk about it a little bit more in session three. But of course, we need to watch for precipitation that's coming like we've talked about. But if we're, if we're thinking about odors, we also wanna look at trends in temperature, wind direction, and the speed and night, the wind speed and the nighttime cloud cover. 
Odor is a lot like smoke and how smoke rises into the atmosphere depends on several weather factors. When temperatures are steady or dropping, smoke will hang around the ground more. However, when the temperature is rising, that smoke is going to rise higher into the atmosphere and will be less of a nuisance to people on the ground. Because temperatures usually fall at night, smoke tends to concentrate lower in the atmosphere, and it's more of an issue when wind speeds are lower. So when the wind is blowing harder, even though the temperatures might be lower, that smoke is diluted and less of a nuisance. However, that smoke does travel further and faster, so neighbors farther away may notice a little bit of smoke too. However, it's probably not at a level that is annoying. So if you're burning your brush pile and you wanna minimize the amount of complaints you receive, watch for days and nights with higher wind speed and temperatures that are rising to allow for maximum dilution and rise into the atmosphere. Or better yet, look for wind to be in the opposite direction of the neighbors along with those rising temperatures. So now that you know all about smoke, remember that odor behaves very similarly to that smoke. When temperatures are steady or dropping, that odor is gonna hang around the ground more. However, when the temperature is rising, those odors are going to rise higher into the atmosphere and will be less of a nuisance to people on the ground. This is especially noticeable at night because the temperatures typically drop at night which also reduces the ability for odors to rise into the atmosphere. Additionally, neighbors are also more likely to be home in the evenings, especially if there are folks that work in town. So when the wind is diluted and blowing harder, even if the temperatures are lower, that odor is also diluted and less of a nuisance. However, the odor may travel further and faster, so neighbors further away may notice a little bit of that diluted odor as well. So when you're spreading or stockpiling, you're minimizing complaints by watching for days and nights with higher wind speed and temperatures that are on the rise, which allows for maximum dilution and rise into the atmosphere. Or better yet, look for wind to be in the opposite direction of the neighbors, along with those rising temperatures. So like I said before, you can make your plans, but as you gather more, more information, be prepared to make changes to